Welcome to Raising Up Cops, a podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture, hosted by Madonna Lewindi and me, Laura Michael. So this week we had quite an interesting question come up. And so we took it to our listeners just to see what everyone thought. Okay. The question was, is it okay to correct other children? And we made the assumption, of course, that in this question, the child is not someone that's related to you in any way, right? Yeah. And this question ended up branching onto a series of questions that Madonna asked on her Instagram account, um, because, you know, it is a complex issue. And so, you know, uh, we asked things like, have you ever been reprimanded by a parent for correcting someone else's child? Have you been thanked? Would you do it at all? And we got some surprisingly controversial answers. I love Madonna that you did this in the way, like in a poll format. So there are, we've got percentages here. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, people, you know, got, I I asked the yes or no question and people got to answer yes or no. So the first question I asked is, first of all, do you in general correct other people's kids for behavior, assuming they're not related to you? 38% said yes. 62% said no. So more people said no in this, which I, I found it kind of shocking. I don't know if it's just me that is okay with it, but I really thought everyone would kind of be on the same page. You see some kid doing something wrong, just say something. Maybe it's a teacher in me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I think it's really um, interesting how we we have different philosophies, even within our community, about how to handle these kinds of situations. Um, what were some of the other questions you asked, Madonna? Um, so another one was, would you be okay with other people correcting your kids' behavior? And this was kind of split down the middle. It was 53% yes and 47% no. So it was pretty close to halfway. And then after that, we started asking people, you know, if they have ever done it, what were the reactions of the parents? So like, if you corrected a kid, have you ever been reprimanded by a parent for correcting their kid? And 67% said no, 33% said yes. So it's definitely happened a significant amount, even though it wasn't the overwhelming majority, it still happened quite a bit. And then have you ever corrected a kid and were thanked by parents? This had opposite. More people said yes than no. 67% said yes, and 33% said no. So that's really interesting. So even though more people think you shouldn't reprimand someone else's child or and wouldn't do it themselves, actually most parents, at least two-thirds, would be grateful and not angry if you corrected their child. Madonna, is that your experience? Like, how do you feel, Madonna, about somebody correcting your kids? I am totally, totally fine with it. And and, okay, it's hard to make a blanket statement, of course, because every circumstance, every situation, and it depends on how it was delivered. There's, There's a lot of things here, right? But yes, I want my kids to understand that we are all part of this social contract, right? Like my rules are not just my rules because I made them up in my house and therefore this is what we do. It's a rule because when we're in church, we are all trying to kind of follow the same thing. We're trying to keep a spirit of reverence. We're trying to focus on what's going on in the, in the altar. And, you know, um, these clouds of witnesses are around us. There's a certain amount of um, posture, a certain posture we need to be keeping in church. And it gets exhausting, Laura. I'm sure you understand. It gets exhausting to be the only one correcting your kid all the time. And you especially, I mean, uh, uh, you're married to an Aborna, so he's occupied. And so your kids are often left up to you. And I'm sure your son, you said, was a deacon, right? Yeah. So I was telling Madonna about this situation recently in our church where, you know, uh, most times I or often, I would say, maybe it's not fair to say most, but like 
uh, a new deacon is standing with his father. And in my case, my new deacon can't be standing with his father because his father is in the altar and he's just a chanter. And so he's standing outside and I often have to take on, uh, and rightfully so, he's my child, take on the burden of correcting my child. I have to go over there and say, it's the gospel now, don't forget to stand. Um, but I feel like, for me, that's one of those situations where the people in the area should be helping out. You know, if you see, if you're a deacon, you're an adult deacon, and you see the little deacons are not standing, I feel like that's part of your role as a deacon to get them all to stand. Or if, you know, um, recently we've had, like the little deacons get bored, and so they step out, but all together, they all step mm. out together to the side. And I've, you know, Madonna, I've had to walk all the way around the church to go grab all of these children and bring them back in, which I don't feel is my job. I mean, um, I feel like I should only be correcting my son, right? Because we, are, we have this sort of like um, sensitivity, but at the same time, I'm a teacher and I'm a Sunday school servant and it's, and I'm a very bossy person. And I just, if all the kids are doing the wrong thing, I'm just going to tell all of them to get out. <laughs> and so but at the same time, every time I do it, I feel so stressed out about it. Like, I feel like I'm overstepping. I feel like an adult deacon, you know, a fully grown deacon should be doing this job, not me. And I feel like I could use all the help I can get. You know, if you want to tell my son, um, kindly do this or don't do this. Yes, that would be amazing. Okay. But now you said something very interesting in your story that you said you didn't want to correct all the kids. Yeah, I feel guilty because I feel like, as you've shown in your poll, there are people who don't like their children being corrected by others, especially because this particular group, um, many of them are newer. I mean, one of them, uh, I'm very good friends with his mother, so we would never have a problem. But some of the others, I don't know their mother very well. Like she's newer mm -hmm. to the church and I don't want to overstep. I don't know what her philosophy is. Um, right. And I, I'm not trying to overstep at all, but if you know, if my son is leading them all astray, or if one of them is leading the rest astray, I feel like it's my responsibility to pull them all back into um, the service. So yeah, I feel like, um, I feel like I just have a natural tendency to correct. <laughs> right. And I think that I'm trying to balance that. Yeah, I don't want to upset anybody either. I don't want to cause problems. So I have a very distinct memory of when I was a kid. Um, we, we were in a very small church at the time. There was maybe like 20 families total. And um, there was a group of five of us girls. We were all the same age. And we always wanted to sit together and hang out together in church. You know how it is. Like all the girls kind of gather together in the pew and whatever. And then all the brothers who are, you know, the boys would all be deacons together. But we would sit in the front or we would sit in one of the pews. And naturally, this is what happens, right? Girls get together. We start chatting. We start playing around. We're like talking about other stuff. And I remember distinctly that one of our moms, she had this very specific thing that she would do to get our attention. She would take her ring, her wedding ring, and tap it on the pew. So we would always hear this tap, tap, tap every time like we were, um, you know, not focusing or obviously we were chatting. And I mean, like soldiers, we would stand at attention whenever we heard that tap, tap, tapping. And until this day, that like sound is triggering for me, <laughs> but like in a, in a really good way, because I remember I'm like, okay, I need to focus. And I, none of us ever held it against her. As a matter of fact, what happened was we would remember where we were. We would get called back into attention and we would say, oh yeah, like stop, like we, we need to focus. 
we never, our parents never got upset about it. It was part of the agreement that we're all taking care of each other. And I kind of miss that. Like I miss that everyone is okay with just um, it being a village. There's a lot of tired parents out there. They don't want their kids to do these things, but they just don't have the mental energy anymore to control it. So it always helps to have somebody else come in and do it. Now, for me personally, you know, I've been trained to be around kids. I've been trained on how to talk to kids. And so for me, it comes very naturally. And I, I feel like, I mean, maybe there's times I've lost a temper or something, but I feel like I know how to talk to kids where I can get them to do stuff without it being um, offensive. So I don't personally have a problem with correcting other people's kids if I feel like I, you know, it's necessary. And I don't think it should be a problem for people to correct mine either. I'm, of course, so again, I'm assuming there's no aggression there. And Laura, we talked about one other thing, which is somebody brought this up in one of their comments too, is please make sure your own kids are behaving before you go around correcting other people's kids. That's the other piece for that for me. Yeah, I think it's tricky for sure. So, so Madonna, when is it not okay to correct someone else's kid? I mean, there's always going to be situations. Um, I think that it's a lot harder to correct somebody's kids if the parent is standing right there watching them. Like, you can't really just overstep the parent situation. But then again, there are some parent cues that are like, I'm tired and I don't want to do this anymore. And you can step in and help. I have been known to grab a kid that was going wild, not grab them in an aggressive way, but just be like, hey, why don't you come sit with me for a little bit? And the parents are relieved by that. Um, I don't know, Laura. I can't think of too many scenarios where it should be absolutely not okay. I don't. So here's something that I think, again, because you and I are trained in like child development, we know what is appropriate behavior, what are the limits. Some people don't. I mean, sometimes people are expecting things from kids that are unrealistic. For example, um, expecting the kid to be standing for all of the um, liturgy. You know, Mm. different parents have different rules about when it's okay to sit and when it's okay to stand. Like maybe most of us start with stand during the gospel, you know, but like everybody has, you know, the, the age of the kid is hard to guess. How much correction has already been done sometimes is hard to guess. If you're someone who's not used to working with children, Maybe you don't know. I mean, I remember a situation with a friend of mine where someone came and corrected her kid and she was very upset because he had already been, the kid was doing his best already. Like this mm. was, you know, like he, he was already doing beyond his capabilities, you know, and it still wasn't up to snuff according to like this other person who doesn't know any better. Um, so I think that's where uh, like that relationship we talked about with the parents matters so much. Like we need to be, um, we need to be cognizant of our relationship with the parents. You, you don't want to be yelling at random kids that you don't know. I I don't know. I feel like it is trickier than we think. What do you think, Madonna? So Laura, you actually brought up a good point that I kind of forgot about when my kids were younger. I remember that isolating feeling of they would make a noise and people would turn around and look at you. And that was a form of correction. That was a form of correction because it's like, hey, you need to you need to quiet your kid down because they're making enough noise for me to have to turn around and look at you. I hated that. I hated that. So I think that we as a society and as a people need to understand what's okay and what's not okay for what age. Okay. If a nine-year-old is making a lot of noise and like, you know, going crazy, running amok, whatever, 
I think at that point, maybe we need to step in and, and help the situation. Okay, but Madonna, we've had like a nine-year-old in church make a lot of noise and that nine-year-old was disabled. But you can't tell until you turn around, right? You think the kid mm. is just being loud, but the kid has a disability, it, you know? So I feel like we need to know our place a little bit. Like That's there true. are things that you, that are within your rights to correct. And there are things that are not within your rights to correct which is so tricky. I think that's kind of the point of this conversation. You know, again, if you don't have any relationship with this child or with these parents, you don't know anything about them and you are not in charge of anything in this, in the sanctuary right now, you're not a deacon. You're not their Sunday school child, like servant. You know, this is not your Sunday school kid. Is it your place to say something when you don't know? It's definitely a complicated issue. And, and obviously the jury is still out, as we said in the poll results, it was pretty split. Okay, so let's think of it like this. I have a group of friends that I'm very good, close friends with. I know their kids very well. And I know that they're capable, right? I don't think they would be insulted if I said something to one of their kids about, please be quiet, please sit, please whatever, Um, but if I were to go do it to a complete stranger, they don't know where I'm coming from. They don't know what's in my heart when I'm doing it. They assume maybe they're being a little bit judged when I do say something to their kids, that would probably be a lot more sensitive. I could see that. So I guess maybe the unspoken rule is it depends on your relationship with the parents and it depends on what your role is in the church. Like you said, Sunday school teacher, um, a deacon, um to sony <laughs> does that count i don't know i don't know as to sony i'm especially careful not to be overcorrecting. um right. so okay so let's argue now let's talk about the opposite when is it okay we had one person write to us and say quote use this verse um you know a prophet has no honor in his own country that after a while the things we say to our children don't click anymore and sometimes we would really appreciate someone else saying the same thing. Someone like scaring our child just a little bit into doing the right thing. So for example, if I've told my son to stand up 50 times in a liturgy, like you said, fatigue has set in. I don't want to say it anymore. I just can't anymore. If one other person with a nice strict face, not rude, not yelling, just strict says it's time to stand up man, that could really stick and it could really help me. <laughs> okay. Can I ask a question? Yes. Let's, let's, let's hash this out for a second. Okay. What is the worst that would happen if somebody reprimanded your child in a way that you're not okay with? What is the worst that will happen? Can we hash that out? Yes. The worst that would happen is if they reprimanded my child in a way that was inappropriate was that when my child would associate church with that particular feeling. Mm. So we have, uh, we've had a situation where there's um, a servant who has been yelling at the kids very aggressively, Mm. uh, accusing them of things that they may not even have done, right? Like blaming them for something that perhaps was not their mistake in the first place. And I think that is our biggest fear. If we overcorrect inappropriately a child couldn't we scar them away from wanting to be in church and from feeling like the church is their family and their home? Yeah, I could totally see that. And I'm one that is very, um, I take special care about 
emotions specifically because I'm a highly emotional person. So for me, things like that do, I like I lose sleep over that at night. If somebody said something to me that I am not, that I did not receive well, I will lose sleep over it. So I'm very particular about that kind of thing. But I'm also thinking about it and I have survived those kinds of encounters as a kid. <laughs> Haven't we all, you know, we've all been um, accused of something we didn't do or we've been yelled at something, yelled by someone that we barely knew and it was, it felt really embarrassing and it was tough and, and maybe we cried, maybe we complained to our parents, um, you know, a lot of things can happen. But in the long run, we learned that other people are watching what we're doing. And it is important that we do the right thing because A, it's the right thing and B, because we are impeding on other people's ability to do, to, to pray and to uh, be in church and to, you know, keep that spirit of reverence. So I feel like I myself am split down the middle. Like, I think I'm okay with it because I feel like I'm confident in how I would approach a kid. But at the same time, I can understand why we would be worried about the, the reception of it by the kid. Like, it could be harmful to them. And then the long run is, I feel like they would be fine. Hmm. I don't know. Yes. And it would depend on how the parent reacts to the reprimand as well. Very like true. If, if your kid is, if you, someone reprimands their kid, your kid about something they definitely did do wrong. And then you decide you're going to defend your kid and not correct your kid also. Mm. <laughs> then that child has gotten a mixed message about something that we, is clearly wrong, right? Like, right. Um, so I think that, parents can make things way worse and make trauma last longer if they handle things incorrectly. So I will tell you that um, when I was teaching in public school, I had this one student in particular. I mean, he was, he was a difficult kid, not because he was a bad kid in any way. He was very bright, very intelligent, sweet kid, but he kind of had this entitled uh, attitude. He kind of felt like he was allowed to do anything. And the reason that was, is because anytime I said anything to his parents about, he didn't turn in an assignment or, um, and this was per their request. I'd let them know this. He didn't turn in an assignment or he got in trouble at the playground today, got into a fight, whatever, whatever. Their parents went straight into attack mode of me and left him to be defended for his actions. And it got to a point where the principal had to get involved because I couldn't get through to the kid anymore. I, in the sight of this kid, I had lost all respect um, because as far as he knows, parents had the final say. And while he's at school, he was protected to do whatever he wanted because mom and dad were always going to come to his aid. And that to me was a huge problem for many reasons, because it's important that your kid understands that they need to take direction from other people. I think it's important that they get exposed to other people telling them, you know, these are the rules and here's what you have to do that different places have different rules. It's important that they understand that. And therefore they should be, you know, trained or, okay, like, let's put it this way. Something happens poorly. The kid does something. And then somebody responds in a poor way. You take the kid aside and you are damage control. You either have the ability to say to them, look, the way that they talked to you was not okay. It was not okay that they made you feel that way. But what you did was not okay either. And there are consequences for your actions. Or you could say, don't worry about them, Habibi. Don't worry about them, my love. Do whatever you want. They were not right for doing that. Um, you do what you want and mommy loves you. And that's that. Yeah, I heard recently something that's really stuck in my head about how it used to be that 
society and the church and the home. And maybe this is a, a rosy nostalgic picture, but once upon a time, let's say, you got the same messages about what proper behavior was mm. from church, from school and from home. And so all three of those parties work together to help raise a child. But now if only home is saying behave a certain way and church doesn't care, nobody at church ever corrects you and school doesn't care, nobody at school ever corrects you or teaches you the right thing, then you are not going to be learning the right thing. I mean, it cannot be just on the home to teach this one thing. Kids need to hear the same message. We are, we walk respectfully in church. We talk respectfully in church. We don't eat in the sanctuary. They need to hear these kinds of messages over and over and over. And, and we all need to understand that kids, even when they're corrected, might not do it. Like, I mean, you have to tell a child 150 times not to run in church before they get it. It's, it's just children, (laughs) but that doesn't mean don't tell them. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I can understand that everyone wants parents to, take that role in their own kids' lives. I, a hundred percent, first line of defense is the parent. I, I agree with that and I would never go against that. But at the same time, there are instances where parent is not around. Definitely they need to be, you know, somebody needs to tell them they're doing something wrong, especially if they're a danger to themselves or other people. And second, sometimes mom and dad just need the backup. We just need the backup. Like, I can't tell you how many times when I, my kids were young, I was just tired of trying to keep them quiet in church and trying to keep them to pay attention. And I would have been head over heels for somebody coming and being like, hey, do you want me to like help you? Do you want me to stand with you? Do you want me to take the kid for a minute? Um, anything like that would have been a blessing to me. I realize not everybody would have accepted it that way, but I would have, I would have welcomed that kind of help. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I always feel going back a little bit, for example, when there's a little, little baby and he's running towards or crawling towards the altar and he's about to be in the altar and maybe mom hasn't noticed, or maybe mom is running, but she can't get there fast enough. And I go pick up the kid for a second. I'm always torn with what do they think I'm thinking? Mm. Do they think I'm thinking, Oh, look at you. You like left your kid all the way to the altar. How dare you? Or do they understand that what I'm thinking is, okay, calm down. You have to run. I have him for a second. Like you're okay. Like it's okay. (laughs) We're in it together. You know, that is such a great, great point, Laura, that I think, um, the fear of people's thoughts is way worse. I, I think that we build up in our minds, this huge story that people are making about us, about us being incompetent, about us being, you know, unable, unwilling, unwhatever, Like they don't know that we've been sitting here all day trying to make our kids listen. We had a horrible morning, et cetera, et cetera. I think we've all been there. People with kids have all been there. We know we have bad days. We have kids that don't listen. We have kids that, you know, just make up their, they're their own human beings with their own um, impulses and own reactions. And they're going to do things. So we get it. So I think, I think one of the things that, I don't know, Laura, your husband's an abuna, so you tell me if this would be okay. I wish the abunas would kind of make that kind of announcement or kind of make that part of the culture. We're all in this together. Um, you know, if you see a kid doing something, help them, like in a way of helping, help the parent, help whatever. Um, 
it is not a judgment. It is not, uh, we're not like calling you out. This is just us trying to be a community. This is what it means to live in community. This is what it means when we say it takes a village. It doesn't mean you're one person standing in a village. It means everyone is working together for a common goal, which is we all want our kids to, we all want our kids to have the same goal. We all want our kids to love church and to love God and to um, love the liturgy. I mean, Another thing along those same lines is you were talking about how everybody looks back when a kid cries. And, you know, I know that for, that when my kids were little, I would think that when a child is crying, I'm, the looks are all judgmental. And actually now I've realized like, sometimes the look is, is that my kid? Like, yes. do I need to go get my child and my child hit somebody, you know, or it's, it's just like, does that child need help? Do we like, is this mm -hmm. crying real crying or just like, we're, we're, I don't know. Once you've been a mother, you're just constantly in mom mode and you're constantly trying to assess, like, do I need to help? There's a child crying. Like there's just like this urge. It's like the bat signal. <laughs> the bat signal. One child crying, all of us turn around because we, because it is our child. Right. <laughs> it's not always. And I know that there are tons that are like over, you know, but like yes. for me, when I hear a child cry, at a certain level, I have to look back because what if they need me? Or what if the kid's bleeding and I need to go get it? You know, we're just, moms are triage. Like we're always in triage. Like we've got to, I remember there was this relationship between a tunt, um, God rest her soul and one of our converts. And, you know, my friend who's a convert would always notice this stunt looking at her son. And so sometimes put in her head, this idea that like, she's not happy with the way my, my young kid is behaving. Like she's looking with judgment and I would tell her, no, like we know this ton. She's so nice. She's probably looking at her, your, like your child and thinking about her own grandsons that she's not helping right now. Cause they live in a different, you know, like there's just so much going on internally. Like, and it's not all judgment. We, we've got too much going on to be busy judging people all the time. <laughs> I, I feel like also uh, like Danny and I now, if, if we're ever without the kids and we're like in a restaurant or for whatever, and we see some kids acting up, we look over, we look over all the time, but I, I promise you, it is not a judgment. It's always like, Oh, like how tough, like I remember this or, you know, oh, I'm so glad our kids are not here right now because I know how hard that is. And a lot of times because we see, or we sense that discomfort from the other parents, we'll make a point to say, we are those old people now who'd be like, we also have a child. And oh, I remember when our kids were that age, they used to do all sorts of crazy stuff and throw their cups across the, the, the restaurant and whatever. I mean, I think people want that sense of camaraderie. I just feel like I feel like I, I'm going to blame society for this because I feel like we've shifted to this mindset of people are judgmental and people are cynical and people are critical. And it's just this really tough dynamic to navigate because we're always feeling like people are looking at us and waiting for us to mess up. And I feel like if we're more open about all of us kind of, if we're more open about all of our struggles, if we're more open about asking for help, if we're more open about accepting help, I feel like we'll we'll go back to that kind of society where everyone kind of helped one another and everyone was okay with each other kind of being in each other's lives in a positive way, not in a nosy way. Um, and I think yeah. that you've touched on something so important. As much as we should, you know, should be correcting other people's kids in a nice way, in a good way, we should also be encouraging parents, fellow mm. parents. So it, for every correction that you make, go out of your way to encourage a parent. 
make that parent feel better. Tell that parent good things. I remember when I served in like younger Sunday school classes, or even now, I go out of my way to tell the parents good things their parents, their, their children did, you know, like in class, like he really paid attention today. It shouldn't, all the conversations about our kids shouldn't be negative. And so if you correct a kid, go back and talk to that kid later with a smile on your face, like go yes. back and make friends with that kid. Yes. I'm I want to snap. <laughs> that's such a good idea. I love that. And I think that's really important because, um, you know, one of the key principles of parenting and of teaching and of everything is connection before correction. You don't always have that chance, but at least make time for that connection along with that correction. Um, So Laura, like my takeaway from this is do what you're comfortable with, right? Like I, I personally am comfortable and I'm confident in my abilities to correct. And I feel like I have the ability to to discern whether or not I need to step in, you know, I'm not going to walk around and be like the, you know, the principal and headmaster, you know, telling everybody what to do, but I feel like I know when is a good time, but in general, my baseline is it's okay to help and it's okay to help my kids. I'm okay with it. What about you, Laura? I would say the same, as long as we are doing it the right way without aggression, um, you know, respectful of the parents and their role then yes, please tell, tell my child that, you know, you're dressed as a deacon today. You shouldn't be in the crying room because I can't keep track. Like I can't right. be expected to constantly keep track when I'm, you know, when I'm thinking that he's somewhere else. Um, and so, yes, and I will help your child. If your child is doing something and I have some kind of relationship with your child, I will tell them nicely, gently, Hey, we shouldn't be doing that. We should probably not put the chair on top of our heads or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> Um, I think one person said like, definitely when there's danger involved, please don't hesitate, like save my child. If my child is running around in the parking lot, please go get my child or get me and tell me my child is in the parking lot. (laughs) That's like a big thing. Absolutely. And, and just to add to our, our takeaways here, if your child is somebody that does get corrected and you're not okay with it, right? We talked a lot. Your reaction to that is going to determine how your kid takes it. Um, they can either be the victim or they can understand that actions have consequences. And then you can have a conversation with the other adult and be honest and say, you know, um, in the future, if something happens, can you let me know instead of talking to my kid directly or, you know, anything in, in that manner? I think it's important that we set our own boundaries too. We have to set our boundaries with people around us. And, um, you know, people may think something is okay that you're not okay with, and it's okay to tell them that. So that, I mean, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's really the key here is communication, connection, kindness, all of that, I think is what we're, we're working on. Um, and I, I feel like, I feel like we've given people a lot to, to chew on a lot to think about. Right. Um, we don't, there are no pat answers and I think that's okay. <laughs> so we, we just want to encourage everyone today that, you know, know your own boundary, know what you're okay with. Um, and, you know, always talk to your own kids and, and make sure that they're doing their own thing. But if somebody is trying to correct your kid, if somebody does step out of the line and say something, assume the best. And if you're not okay with it, have that conversation. Um, but in general, we're all working towards a common goal, which is, you know, that our kids love the church and love being in liturgy and love the community and take home a positive attitude towards God and towards the church. Um, we want to, you know, I want to encourage you too, that you don't want to be taking on the sole responsibility of raising your kid. Like that's a nightmare. hundred <laughs> <The> percent. <village. laughs> I agree with that. Totally. 
So with that being said, thank you so much for joining us today on this week's episode of Raising Up Cops. And you can find us at raisingupcops.com and email us at raisingupcops at gmail.com. We look forward to being here next time. Take care, everybody. Raising Up Cops is a podcast hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lewindi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Church or its hierarchy. These are purely our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you would like to reach out with any questions or comments, please email raisingupcopts at gmail.com or post on the Coptic Dad and Mom Parenting Community on Facebook.